0: Good morning. Hey, if you got a Bible, open it up to Luke chapter 11. This morning, we're going to switch over from Matthew's version of the Lord's Prayer to Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer so that we can continue on in our series this morning. We're in a series entitled Prayer. Thus far, what we've covered is the actual prayer itself, and then we're going to look at what comes after the prayer in Luke's version of the account. We are continuing to build upon our word prayer rips, and so the R prayer is relational. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so in week one of the prayer, we looked at the relational nature of prayer. We saw that it is personal so we can be honest. We saw that it is powerful because it is our father who is in heaven. And so we should be humble. We saw that it's purposeful because it's his plan and his will. So we can always be hopeful in our prayers. And then, after that, we talked about how prayer is internal. The type of prayer we're talking about is, we're calling it transformative prayer. It's prayer that's more interested about what's going on in here than prayer that is trying to move things out there. It's the type of prayer that grows us, that sanctifies us, that turns us more into Christ. That type of prayer. And so prayer is in- internal. And we saw that in the next three lines in the Lord's Prayer, the prayer part where we ask, give us the daily bread, forgive us of our sins, lead us not, deliver us out of evil. And in that, we saw three types of prayers were to pray, contentment prayer, internally, God, am I am I satisfied fully in the gospel, or am I still longing for something else? then after that, we saw gospel identity prayer. Forgive us our sins. It's more than just, God, I, I, I said something I shouldn't have said. Please forgive me. No, it's rerouting myself back in the gospel. Is my identity being built on the gospel? Because when our identity isn't built on the gospel, then we begin to pray for all sorts of things that we ought not to pray for. And then lastly, freedom prayer. The type of prayer that says, now God help me to live out this gospel. Don't let the enemy stop me. Don't let my sinful nature stop me. Deliver me from evil. Allow me to walk out now the fullness of this gospel. And so that was our first two weeks in a recap. Prayer is relational and prayer is internal. Today, we see what Jesus wanted us to see next. The story that he tells in Luke, or according to Luke, about what we do next in prayer. And in this, what we're going to see is we're going to see the point of the story, we're going to see the priority of the story, and then at the end, we're going to see the power in the story. Now, as we do that, I'm also going to share a little bit of my own story this morning. And what I want to do is share with you guys the most persistent prayer that I have ever prayed in my life. And the change here and the jar uh, represents uh, how I actually went about praying that prayer. Like, this was actual. What I did is every time that I got change, this was back before the change shortage, every time that I got change, I would go home. That keeps happening. And I would drop change into here, and I would pray the exact same prayer. I started this at about the age of 19 or 20. And I prayed this prayer for over a decade. And so every time I'd go to Panera and I'd order an everything bagel, sliced, toasted with butter, it was $1.09, which gave me 91 cents. I was broke. That was my meal every day. And so there we go. There's gonna be a lot of change on the ground. Just get used to it. And I'd pray the same prayer over and over and over and over and filled up the jar over years, over a decade, as I prayed the prayer. And so I'm going to share my most persistent prayer with you as well as we look into this story. Let's talk about the story for a second, the point of the story. Jesus tells this story after teaching about prayer. And let me sum up the story for you. In the story, there are three friends. There's this friend. I'm going to try to like physically depict this for you. There's this friend. There's the mediating friend. And there's what we'll call the higher friend. And the way the story goes is this friend over here, we're going to give him a name so it'll make it a little bit easier so we don't just have friend, friend, and friend. This friend, we'll name him Eddie. And so Eddie over here is traveling into town. And when Eddie gets into town, he is in need of something. And he knows mediating friend. And so Eddie shows up and mediating friend goes, Eddie needs something. He traveled all this way. He's got no hope. He needs, in the story, it's some bread. And so what happens in the story is then mediating friend goes up to higher friend and higher or greater friend actually has some bread. And the only way, because it doesn't seem like Eddie, this friend over here knows greater friend who has what lesser Eddie friend needs. Everyone following me? And so the only way for Eddie, this friend over here to get what he needs is through the mediator. And so mediating friend at his own expense of the friendship decides that he loves Eddie or this friend so much that he will go to greater friend and make a request. And in the story, greater friend has got everything he ever needs. Greater friend is in a good place. His kids are asleep. Amen. I have a nine-month-old. His kids are sleeping. He's like, everything's good. The Mediating friend says, I will knock on this door. I will wake up your children unless you give me what I want. And greater friend says, it's not even because we're friends anymore. I don't even like you anymore. But because I do not want these kids to wake up, I will give you what you ask for. And the mediating friend takes it back to Eddie, the guy on the journey, and gives it to him. That's the story. Now, what's the point of the story? Why would Jesus tell this story at this point right after he talked about prayer? There's only one reason for Jesus to tell this story, and the whole point of this story is in the power of persistent prayer. The power of persistent prayer. Prayer is relational, and prayer is internal. But the third element that we're supposed to see in prayer is that prayer is to be persistent. In the story, it says that during the journey here uh, of the friend and the friend and the friend, that during all of that, that it would appear like the door was shut. He says, do not bother me. The door is now shut. The door's shut. There's no opportunity. There's not even, it's not even like, like slightly ajar. Like, no, it is completely shut and you can't get in. And the answer to the question that we haven't asked yet that Jesus is giving is what does the Christian do when it seems like the door is shut? What does the Christian do when they have grown weary of praying the persistent prayer? What does Stephen do year years gone by, or two years have gone by, or three, four, or five. And persistence is hard in every endeavor, but persistence in any endeavor shows maturity. And when we're being persistent, the things that want to stop us are pretty easy to name. We don't see immediate results. I'm done. We lose hope. I'm done. We get distracted. I'll move on to something else. We try to set our hope somewhere else instead of the persistent prayer. We forget about it. There's all of these reasons. And if persistence in any endeavor shows maturity, then persistence in prayer reveals a spiritual maturity. The ability to not get distracted, to not lose hope, to not believe the lie of the enemy that says, stop praying for this. You're asking for it in vain. Now I put this in its proper order. First prayer has to be relational, right? I'm being honest and and, and humble and hopeful before my God. Prayer has to be internal where I am seeking. Am I really content in the gospel? Have I really built my identity on the gospel? Because if I've done that first, then the persistent prayer should be coming out of the will of God. If I haven't done the hard work of that contentment and gospel identity prayer, then oftentimes the persistent prayer might be coming out of a false identity as opposed to a gospel identity. But when I've done that hard work, then we get to pray. Now I'm going to be honest with you. When I started this prayer, I don't think my identity was in the right spot, but God's good. And so even as you as I, kept praying the persistent prayer. And even as you keep praying the persistent prayer, you know what happens? God begins to form you and shape you in the same time that you're praying the persistent prayer. And he has a way of allowing you to both pray the persistent prayer and also change what's going on in here as he does, or as, as you're praying it. It says the door is shut. What's the answer? Keep knocking or keep praying. So you've lost hope. Keep praying. So you got distracted for a little bit. Start praying again. So you are afraid to start praying because you're not sure what the result or when the result will come. Start praying. So you stopped praying the persistent prayer a long time ago because you gave up hope that it would ever happen. Pick it back up again. Jesus tells us that the response to for the Christian When the door is shut and we know we're praying within the will of God is to start praying or to keep praying that there is power in persistence and that the only thing that opens the door of resistance is persistence in your prayer. So keep praying. I would get distracted. I would go a couple of months and I'd take my change and I would just go buy coffee with it because I was mad, right? And then a couple of weeks and months would go by and I'd start praying again. The power of persistence. That's the whole point of this story. It's the only reason Jesus would tell this story when he does. To teach us again the power of persistent prayer. The word here that's used for persistence, it actually means a shameless audacity a shameless audacity. Like, I don't care how embarrassing this is. I don't care how many times other people have told me, stop praying. I don't care where the enemy has said, you are so off base here. No, a shameless audacity keeps knocking on the door and saying, God, 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 God. I know you promised. I know you said this in your scripture. God, God, Father, Father. And you just keep on going. That's the point of the story. Now, let's see the priority, the priority here in the story. See, in, in the next part of the story, Jesus says these words, and uh, these words have been spoken often and potentially misunderstood. He says, and I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks has the door opened. Ask, seek, knock. By the way, it is a grammatical treat that the acronym for ask, seek, knock is ask. I love that. Ask, seek, knock. No one else here likes grammar. It's okay. He says, if you ask, you'll receive. If you seek, you'll find. If you knock, the door will be opened. But what do we know to be true? That this doesn't always happen. That you have asked and not received that you have sought and haven't found, that you have knocked and the door hasn't opened. What else do we know that is true? That Jesus made an ask in the garden and did not receive the ask that he made until he added to the end of it, but your will be done. Well, there he's teaching us what must happen. The entirety of scripture points us to the idea that what this can't mean is, God, I can just ask anything. I can just seek anywhere. I can just knock for any door to be open and you will grant it. I'll take it a step further. What do we also know to be true? That some of the things we have asked for, some of the things that we have sought after, some of the doors that we have knocked on, as the country music star says, I thank God for unanswered prayers, don't you? Don't you look back and go, I'm so glad you did not open that door. I am so glad that when I was seeking that, I was lost. I am so glad that when I asked for that, I didn't receive it. Can't you look back, think what your life would have been if he would have granted or given or helped you find that thing you were seeking for? So what's going on here? How do we ask and seek and knock in the way that God wants us to? I believe that is the priority in the text. See, if you hop down to the end, God says what he loves to grant, which is his Holy Spirit. He says, as a good father, what will I give? Of course, I will give the good gift of my Holy Spirit. And I think in that, he's showing us the end conclusion to show us how to get to that point. And what that is, is a proper prayer priority plan. So here's, I want to lay that out for you. Because I think this will help us know how to pray. Remember, the whole point of this text was not so that we could recite it at church for the next 2,000 years. The whole point of the text was what? So that the disciples, so that you and I, would know how to pray That was the point of the text. And so prayer is relational, prayer is internal, and then I'm supposed to be persistent, and if I am persistent, and I ask in the right way, I will receive, and if I seek in the right place, I will find, and if I knock on the right door, it will be opened. How do I do that? Here's the prayer priority plan. First part of prayer, and I think that this should take up the bulk of your prayer life. The majority of your prayer life is this. Holy Spirit, change me. Holy Spirit, change me. That where you and I should spend, I think where Jesus is teaching us in this text on, on, on what the, the, the majority of our prayer time is supposed to spend is, is Holy Spirit, please do something in me. Now this is interesting because um, so often our prayers are what? Father God, give me. Father, do for me. Father God, grant me. So many of our prayers, and I'll get to these in a second, are about what God can give or do for us. What's interesting is in the scriptures, when we look at the the prayers of people in the scriptures, when we look at Paul's prayers to the churches and what he asked for, what he told us to seek and what doors he told us to knock on and open, they have very little to do with the physical things that God would give us and very much to do with what the Holy Spirit can do inside of us. In fact, there's some really funny stories in the Bible when people's prayer lives were led by God do for me. Like, think about the, Israelites in the wilderness, God, we're hungry. Give us some bread. And he's like, okay, you will have manna until you throw it up. Granted. There you go. I mean, there's times when people are making requests like this and, uh, and then God says, fine, I'll give you what you ask. God, give us a king. (laughs) Okay. You can have a king. He's going to take your money. He's going to take your kids. You can have it. Now, what's the prayer? Holy Spirit, change me. Do something in me. And as I was praying this prayer, if I look back now in reflection, I think all along God was like, You can keep praying. But you better start letting me work in here first. (laughs) Because even if you get that thing, you're going to mess it up. Holy Spirit change me. And we are allowed to ask and seek and knock in this way. I mean, Paul tells us this. The rest of scripture tells us this. Acts, the, the book of Acts tells us, ask for the Holy Spirit So you want to ask for something persistently? Ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you. Ask for the Holy Spirit and his uh, fruit to to work its way through you. And be persistent in your ask. You want to be persistent in an ask? Uh, Be persistent in the ask that says, Holy Spirit... I know that I'm a new creation in Christ, but I still feel like I'm wrestling with the old. Holy Spirit, I know that you said that you would be faithful to finish the work that you started. And it doesn't look like we're getting very far. So can you kind of move this along and like change me in process? Move this along. Holy Spirit, it says that I can have a renewed mind in Christ, but I'm still thinking like the foolish me. And so I'm going to wake up every day and I'm going to keep asking until you change my thinking. you be persistent in that. You ask for that. And the answer is going to be, yep, I'll give it to you. I will give you to you. The father will say we can seek. You know what Paul tells us to seek for? He says, seek the greater gifts. He says, seek the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, seek the, the 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 spiritual gifts, and so you want to seek for something and be persistent in prayer. Keep seeking that. Keep asking for God to fill you with this Holy Spirit in new, powerful ways where you can do ministry and uh, and be used for the advancement of the gospel. Seek it. Be persistent in it, and you know what? You'll find it. You'll find it. You want a door to be opened, Paul right into the churches, he said, hey, pray that the door of the gospel of ministry would be open. And guess what? God opened it. And Paul was faithful in it. And you know where it led him? Prison. Which then he celebrated. You want to knock on a door? Knock on the door of gospel opportunity. Be persistent in it. And you know what? God will answer it. And that's why some of us don't pray it.
1: <laughs> and then we got to
0: respond do it ask seek knock in this way holy spirit change me oh and i'll answer yes yes and yes that's prayer priority plan number one and the reminder of this is and again this comes out of after the internal prayer of gospel identity i just gotta i gotta warn some of you Some of us, we're still praying a persistent prayer or you're longing for something and you're longing for that thing off of a non-gospel identity. And you can keep praying for it, but God's never gonna get it for you because it's not good for you. And what needs to happen is to reroute yourself in the gospel and build your identity off of that because then you won't want that prayer anymore. This is Psalm 37, four. He will give you the desires of your heart, but not when they're built off of that Wrong desire or that wrong identity. Rewrite yourself in the gospel. Then pray the persistent prayer. So that's prayer priority plan. Number one, Holy Spirit, change me, please. Change me. Now here's number two. And we just see this in the very nature of the story. Traveler friend, Eddie, comes up and he doesn't know the friend who's got everything. And so he's got mediating friend in between. And mediating friend goes and makes a request for this friend that that friend could never make because he doesn't have access because there's a need for access to be able to make the request and so mediating friend says i'll make the request for you this is intercessory prayer i think prayer priority plan number two is intercessory prayer if you're not familiar with that term that is us praying on behalf of somebody else I think this should be prayer priority uh, point number two in our lives, us praying for someone else. And let me tell you what the most powerful type of intercessory prayer is. Let me answer it in this way. The person I want praying the most for me, it's not the Pope. It's not a celebrity preacher. It's not some um, televangelist who's touting miracles and sending out prayer rugs or something. That's not it. No, the person I want praying for me most, you know, you know who it is? My wife, my spouse, Lindsay, just to clarify. She was up here. She was singing, plays the guitar. That's who. That's who I want praying for me the most. And I think this is scriptural, that the most powerful type of prayer comes from a spouse in unity praying for each other. Now, I throw in there, in unity, because pro tip, if you ask your spouse to pray for something that they don't want to pray for, there's a problem. You ain't in unity anymore, which means you might have to go back and identify that gospel identity and that contentment thing again. You might have to work through something, or you at least need to sit down and chat about it, because if your spouse doesn't want to pray for it too, there might be an issue. And the most powerful prayer is the spouse praying for the other spouse, Which makes me just stop for a second and ask. Husband, wife, are you doing the most powerful thing that I think could happen for your spouse? Which is you praying for them. Praying what? Holy Spirit, change him or her. Holy Spirit, help him or her. Now, some of you are like, oh, no, I pray all the time for the Holy Spirit to change him or her. (laughs) All the time. I'm good at this. You know, the answer to the Holy Spirit change him or her prayer is often it is you starting with Holy Spirit change me, because the Holy Spirit might change him or her after he's changed you. And I'm not saying he or she changes at all. I'm saying when you pray the right prayer, all of a sudden he or she has changed. Okay. Don't hop it. (laughs) These are, the order matters. Holy Spirit, change me. Change me. Okay, now Holy Spirit, help him, help her, change him, change her. But but it actually just, it, it gets better. It, it's actually more fun than that. It, it's not just like, God, I, I know my, uh, uh, you know, spouse wants to change like this, or, so help them with that. I, I think it gets better. I think the story tells us it, it gets better. Like, look at the story. Eddie shows up and apparently he's hungry, and so mediating friend's like, I got this. He goes over, and he knocks on the door, and he goes, hey, I need three loaves of bread. Now, I don't know much about Eddie, but that's a ton of carbs. (laughs) I mean, three loaves of bread? Three? He gets it, and he brings it back to Eddie, and Eddie's got a feast on his hands. We see this in the scriptures. Paul, he he looks out and he's asking him for prayer. And he's like, just please pray that I have the boldness to preach the gospel, which he's had over and over and over again. Like, sure, it's good to pray, but I mean, is anyone worried about Paul not being bold? I mean, come on. And then in Ephesians, Paul starts praying for them. And he goes, and when the Holy Spirit works through you, you will receive immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. And over here, it's like, would you just pray that I get out of bed today? What's the point? The point is praying for other people is fun. That are praying for other people. When they're asking for bread, we go to God and say, will you send them some French toast? That's way better than bread. We're often asking for like the last piece of Wonder Bread from the 90s. You know what I'm talking about. You got to lunch and you unwrapped it and it was disgusting and it was so stuck to the salami. I don't want that for people. I want that for you. I want to pray some French toast into your life. I wake up on a Sunday sometimes. Father, when I get up to speak this morning, May it please come out in English. (laughs) May it not be the worst sermon ever. Just slightly better than whatever, which one that was. Some of you are like, I know which one it was. It was about four weeks ago. You (laughs) preached it. Yeah, whatever. Okay. So that'll be my prayer. Then I'll get to church. Band practice will just be done. This doesn't happen all the time, but it happens every once in a while. I'll get to church, and Angie will walk in. I pick on Angie a lot. This is Angie, by the way. I'll, I'll, Angie will walk in. She'll be like, "Stephen, Angie." She's like, "I need to talk to you, okay?" She's like, "I was praying this morning, okay?" And she'll kind of look at me like this, like, "Look at me, boy, okay?" I'm like, "Yeah." Like, and the fire of God was surrounding you. And men of valor were walking with you and you were preaching and people were getting changed and lives were, were, were being totally renewed. So get up there and preach, son. I'll be like, I'll be like in English, right? It's like, yes. And the beauty of a church family is when we surround each other and maybe the best thing we could ever do on a Sunday is been like, hey, who's been knocking for a while? Because if there's power in persistent prayer, there's gotta be power in a multiplicity of persistent prayer. Like someone's been praying for a long time and they're like, man, I really need my child to come to salvation and I've been praying, but I've just been praying in my room. And then I get distracted. I get distracted. And then all of a sudden, you finally step out in faith to ask someone else to pray. And they bring in a bank load of change and just start pouring it out. Because it's then the prayers of the church saying, who needs a door open? Let's pray for you. Who's seeking for something? Let's go find it. Who's asking to receive something? Let's all do it together. And then God says, yep, yep. Yep. You know when that's really happening? You know what we call that? Revival, by the way. That's really moving. This is the power of persistent prayer. Don't stop. Priority number one. Holy Spirit, change me. Change me. Priority two. Holy Spirit, too, for him or for her. Priority number three. I think we see this at the end. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? This is one of those Bible stories, like I don't really know what's going on here. But what I do know is that God is apparently not a serpent and scorpion type of God. He's a fish and eggs kind of God. And the third prayer, priority, is when we get to this point now, which is, and Father, I need help. Or Father, could you open this door? Father, could you help me find this thing? Father, I am asking, can I receive? And I'm telling you, after you have done the hard work of internal prayer, after you have re-rooted yourself in the gospel and found your deepest joy and contentment in the simplicity but beauty of the cross, and after I think you've stepped out of just um, doing this in your own room and you've maybe brought some other people involved into it, that you have a good father who wants to say yes. Now, we can lay those prayers out. But I'm saying, let's not start with those prayers. Let's not go to to genie God and say, hey, would you just give me this? Let's do this hard work. And then at the end, trust that our good father, that our good father will give what we need. I'll give you what you need. And you know what the answers to these questions are? When we pray in this way, there's only two answers. Answer number one is yes at the exact right time. That's answer number one. I'll give it to you at exactly the right time. And you know what answer number two is? My grace is sufficient for you. That's it. Which means when we pray in this way, there's only two answers. You get it or the gospel grows in you. Those are both good things. You get it or the gospel grows in you. That's it. So pray for it. But pray for it after you've worked your way through the order. Now let's look at the power of the story. The power of it. We've seen the point. We've seen the priority. What's the power? The whole story is a needy friend who goes on a long journey and has no connection to the one who can grant him what he needs. But it is only by a mediating friend and at that mediating friend's own expense can this friend get access to the one who has the three loaves to pass out. Oh, what's the power of this story? It's not just teaching us that we get to be the mediating friend for someone else. It is reminding us that we were the needy friend, that we were the one who went on the long journey and who had no hope of ever getting what we needed and in the lowest moments of life ended up at a doorstep and looked up and said i've got nothing and the mediating friend said don't worry about it with the most shameless audacity i will not lose hope i will not get distracted i will not let the enemy stop me i will not even let the chasm of heaven and earth Stop me. I will not let death defeat me. I will go to the greater friend and I will grant you my access. And Christ, the mediating friend, goes to the father who has it all and says, he, she, they, they need what only you can provide. And the father says, yes, I will. But what is the answer? It's bread. But who's the bread? He is. So the father, the greater friend, looks at the mediating friend and says, only at your complete expense can this happen. So Jesus doesn't just deliver bread. He becomes the bread. The bread of life. And he goes to the cross he gives up his life for us. And you know what? He doesn't just give us one loaf like one loaf would have been. Your sins are forgiven. No, in the beauty of this gospel, he gives us three loaves. He gives our sins forgiven. He makes us co-heirs with Christ. And then he plants his Holy Spirit within us. All three loaves. And then what does he tell us? (laughs) He teaches us how to pray in this way. So keep praying. Holy Spirit, change me. Keep praying on behalf of him or her. And keep praying and asking, Father, could you please? So after... 12 years. <laughs> it's a long time. It's a, more than a third of my life. I'm praying this. Losing hope, getting distracted, being dumb, starting over again, trying to reroute myself in contentment and gospel identity, crying out to God. The same simple prayer over and over. I still remember the day. When I walked into a coffee shop. And after 12 years of praying, God, send the right woman at the right time and help me be the right person when we get there. I walked in. I saw a Buddy at the front of the coffee shop. He said, hey, you know the girl in the back? I said, nope, but I'd like to. Did she does church things? You should talk to her. Okay. And so I walked back there. And there she was. Lindsay, not Clint. (laughs) We started talking about church things. And after that, I sent her a Facebook message and she didn't respond for six weeks. Yep. And a couple months after that, I was standing in the back of an auditorium, and this is the first time I ever listened to her sing. And I looked at a friend of mine I was standing next to, and I said, he's like, what? He's like, I don't know if I want to marry her or hire her. <laughs> and she kind of looked at me, and I was like, maybe both? I don't know. <laughs> 14 months after that coffee shop, we are married. 14 months and three days after that coffee shop, we were pregnant. <laughs> and I almost stopped. I almost stopped. Don't stop praying because your father in heaven, who sees in secret, will reward you. And that's a good reward. And what does he want to see in secret? What? He wants to see you in secret. Holy Spirit, change me. Holy Spirit, I know I'm not there. Change me, change me change me he wants to see you faithful and persistent but hannah didn't stop praying for that child noah didn't stop building that ark don't stop praying when you pray the way Jesus taught us to pray. That day when I heard Lindsay singing for the first time, this was the song that I heard her singing. I think you'll be able to see why it's relevant. Go ahead and take a listen.
1: To fall on the name of Jesus, I will call. For I know my God is in control, and his purpose is unshakable. Doesn't matter what. Doesn't matter what I see My hope will always be In your promises to me Now I'm casting out all fear For your love has set me free My hope will always be In your promises to me Talking to the days to come, I will not forget what you have done. For you have supplied my every meal, and your presence is enough. to take your love away. You will always be more than enough for me. You will always be more than enough for me. You will always be more than enough for me. Yes, you will. Nothing's gonna stop the path you made. Nothing's gonna take your more than in love for me doesn't matter
0: likely that the place where the door seems most shut, where the resistance seems most strong is exactly the place where God wants you to be most persistent in your prayers and will lead to the greatest of graces on the other side. Don't Stop praying the way Jesus taught you to pray. So God, I pray for every person in this auditorium that knows they're about to hop onto the journey of persistent prayer, one that they've been afraid to pray because they seem so hopeless. Help them to take step one today. Father, I pray for those who are uh, just about to lose hope, that they would be re-encouraged to stay on. Father, I pray that for those who have gotten distracted, run astray, that you would bring them back on and that they would find themselves again persistently seeking, knowing that when it's in your will, they will find so, Father, let me get a little more specific. Father, I pray for those who have been longing, longing for a spouse, that you would move at the right time. And Lord, where in your will, the birth of a child, like you did for Hannah, And Sarah, that you would. Father, there are those who are looking for something in life that will bring more joy, longing for a new path. Help them find it. And Father, In all these prayers, may we be rooted in the gospel, so content in it, that all these things we would ask and receive would just be the beauty of your grace being poured out in ways that are so much more than anything we deserve. Your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us
1: today. If you'd like to take a next step with Redemption Church, visit us online at experienceredemption.com slash connect card. You can also give online to support the work of Redemption Church. To explore your giving options, visit experienceredemption.com slash give online. We hope that the message you heard today encouraged you. See you again soon.